Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to another Be The Right Club Today podcast. Hal, you're still rocking the facial hair. I like it. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, the new me for right now. That's all <laughs> I can say. Until you change it, huh? <laughs> uh, it hadn't been my favorite thing to do, but each day I'm going to cut it, and everybody, someone new will come in and say, man, that looks good on you, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but it's not me. <laughs> well, I definitely I definitely think it's fitting. It looks, It definitely looks good. So, uh, do you have a have a good Christmas? Have a good New Year? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, you know, we went uh, back to Shreveport. Houston is home now, but we went back to Shreveport where we grew up. That's where all the kids and parents are, and had a lot of family time. And uh, so it was good. Awesome. Well, we wanted to uh, we wanted to kind of turn this podcast into a uh, a review of 2021, kind of a life golf. Uh, podcast review talk a little bit about some of our some of the guests that we you know this is this is coming up on uh this is our 52nd episode i believe so this is uh this is coming up on a year a year worth of podcast podcasts and uh you know would first like to just thank you guys for listening and thank you guys for giving us feedback and um you know we get emails all the time on on how you know listening to to some of the mental stuff we've talked about on here and some of our guests have talked about on here have, have transformed your games and lowered your handicaps and and really that's why we started doing this so so how let's get uh, let's get started talk to uh talk to the listeners at home about the podcast a little bit we're we're in this a year now what it's meant to you what you've what you've learned from the podcast um all that stuff well, first of all, you already thanked all the guys, but we got some gals out there that listen to it too. So thanks, girls, for listening to it as well. Uh, you know, we uh, we love working with the girls. I, I'll share with you really quick. Uh, the girls tend to want to make the changes quick. The guys question why to make the changes, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's always the golfer's decision to make the change. You got to give yourself permission to make the change. So, uh, you know, the reason why we started the podcast, Chase has already gone over it. We wanted to help everybody get better. We wanted to take what we've learned and what our friends have learned and bring it to you. And hopefully uh, some of that means enough to you that you are able to parlay that into a lower handicap and lower scores. Uh, the podcast has been fun for me. Uh, you know, one of the things that happens, I'll just go ahead and be honest, you know, as I begin to age, which I am, I'll be 64 years old my next birthday, you begin to feel like you're not quite as relevant as you used to be. And I still have some great knowledge that I really want to give to others. And uh, this podcast has given me an avenue to be able to do that. And, I, you know, it's fun watching other people give to it too. Chase gives to it and, and all the guests that we bring on you know, they have a lot of really good things to say. I mean, sometimes I'm on the, y'all see me lean forward like this. I'm on the edge of my seat because I'm liking what they're saying. And, and most of the time, if you see me move forward like that in my seat, you know, wow, that's good. So uh, maybe take note if you see me taking note. And, you know, another thing that I want to bring out, and I'm sure Chase would echo this, we want your feedback. You, some of y'all do give us feedback 
But, you know, this is not necessarily just what we think. You know, we want to bring to you some things you want to hear. Exactly so right. be sure and send it our way. That's exactly right. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you, you know, what have you, anything that you feel like you've learned from some of the guests? Um, anything that's obviously a lot of confirmation, you know, a lot of the stuff that you've talked about with me over the last four or five years, you know, you have guys like Jim Furyk or Nick Price or uh, Corey Pavin, guys that have won at the highest levels talking about a lot of the same stuff that you've talked about. You've won at the highest levels too. Um, most of you guys figured out the, the mindset stuff and, and, and all think pretty similarly, but would you say, would you, can you think of any specific, specific situations or specific topics that you learned or specific guests that you learned from? Well, uh, I'm learning every day. That's one thing I like about golf. I'm learning every day. Somebody might say something to me that triggers something that I already think. And they just say it in a different way. It's a new approach, a new way to look at it. You know, that's one thing, you know, I mean, y'all all wonder why I would do something like this. I'm old school. I'm more an artist than I am a, a scientist, you know, but I'm curious. I want to know what's driving everything all the time. One thing that I'm certain of is all golfers are curious. They're all looking for their own personal holy grail, whatever that is. And they will go wherever they need to go to try to find that. And, you know, to hear the stories from the other greats that have been on here, you know, the ups and the downs and how they arrived at the success that they arrived at, you know, none of it's really a surprise. We all took a different journey. The one thing that is common to all, this game is hard mm -hmm. and it takes time to learn it. You know, I've heard people, you know, uh, you need to put together a system. Well, let me tell you what, it's hard to take 50 years of learning and put it into a system. And there's no shortcuts. You know, I, I know Chase will shake his head yes to this. Uh, I'm not prompting you to do it either. There's no shortcut to being as good as you can be. I mean, I'm telling you, just because TrackMan sat right there, it's going to give us a little information, but it's not going to do it for you. Yeah. And it, it'll tell you where you're at. But how to get to where you want to go is a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. And, you know, I love the game. I mean, this is such an exciting venture in, in anybody's life to be able to get better at something like this. Yeah. This is hard. You could all choose an easier sport. That's right. One of the things that you've always said is that we don't ever own this game. We're only hoping to borrow it for as long as possible. Or we kind of, you know, if, if we're in the ocean and we're a dolphin and we're, you know, if, if perfect is, is right at the, the, the level of the water, you know, sometimes we're going to go above it. Sometimes we're going to go below it. Sometimes we're going to go above it. Sometimes we're going to, we're going to porpoise up and down between too much or too little, too good or, or, or better or worse. Um, and, and that's one of the themes that I, I've taken from this year is that, you know, the game's really hard and that, you know, you're, as golfers, we feel like when we're bad, we're always going to be bad. And when we're good, we're always going to be good. And it just, that doesn't exist. I always thought, I told a kid the other day, I thought I could practice enough to where I, I could hit it good all the time or control my golf ball all the time. And it was such a, such a bad mindset for me to be in because I kept pursuing something that, that wasn't, wasn't attainable. And so I would hit 
I would do this on the range all the time. I'd hit 10 or 12 shots in a row good. And then I'd hit one bad. And I was like, Oh, well, I've got to fix that. I've got to. And, and that's the thing I, I wish I, I could have gone back and said, no, if I can control my mindset, if I can control my belief, if I, it's my self-belief as Azinger said, if I can, if I can have enough self-belief in myself and, and, always have the right intention over every shot and always commit to every shot. That was way more important than making sure the ball flew where it was, where I wanted, where I wanted it to fly every time, because that's, that's just absolutely impossible. You know, one of the things that I think has been, uh, I hesitate to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to, y'all know me, I'm going to say what's on my mind. You know, uh, Paul Lazinger is a great friend. I was so happy to bring him on here. Nick Price is a great friend. Larry Mize, Corey Pavin, they've all, they're great friends of mine. But the one common denominator is, and the reason why I want to bring those people on here is uh, not to make this a religious thing or anything else, but, you know, tell us about heaven. We're all dreaming about golf heaven. Well, those guys have been to what you, most of you listeners would classify as golf's heaven and to hear them say that it was a struggle at times wasn't always easy i couldn't get what i wanted to get i worked at it hard i wasn't getting there when you hear people like that say things that you know is is common to your own problem it makes Look, you feel a little bit better. It makes you feel like, well, there's hope. They made it through it. And, you know, you may not be seeking their level, but I want to hear what those guys have got to say. Sure. Well, and we've, we've said all, all along on here that, you know, tour players are fragile. They're fragile just like your 10 handicap. Not, it's a different level, obviously. But, you know, and I remember Azinger said something along the lines. He was talking about you, and he said that he – and, and I think it was something that you said. He said, man, I never thought that you doubted yourself. Right. And I always thought the same thing about tour pros. When I was growing up watching you on television, I was like, how does not that? I mean, he is so mentally strong. He's got no, no doubt. He's not anxious. He's not nervous. He's, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't fear. He's not worried about hitting bad shots. And it's like, yeah, you were, you were still nervous and worried about all that stuff. You could just handle it better than I could. So I'm going to lean forward in my chair because this is a powerful point, y'all. Y'all better listen to me. I made my own self believe that I wouldn't miss it. And that's what you saw. But at the core of me, at the end of the day, you know, there was still doubt inside me. You know, you have to play with, I can hit it. Put me in the game, coach. I can hit it. You know, instead of, nah, I don't want to go in, coach. Don't put me in. And you look at all of those great players that played out there. They never had one of those doubting moments that said, don't put me in coach. Yep. And, and that, that goes to uh, what Raymond Pryor talked about. He was a very popular episode. We got a lot of good feedback from him. He was great. You know, I think you guys could tell from listening that we both, I know how you thought he was awesome. We both thought he was really good. He really talked good. about, he talked about fear versus nerves. And he said, you know, we're going to play our best golf with some nerves and nerves are, are healthy. Um, fear is almost, you know, your, your brain's trying to, to get out of the present. It's trying to get ahead. It's trying to figure out the unknown instead of, you know, being grounded, um, being present, um, trying to rid yourself of the anxiety. And that was one of the things, again, I always struggled with. I had a hard time 
staying present. I had a hard time not worrying about a shot I hit in the past or, or, or a shot that was coming up that I knew could, could possibly give me fits instead of just staying right here in the moment, kind of being where my feet are. I love that saying, um, again, it's something that I'm going to strive for playing in 10 or 12 tournaments this next year, um, or this year. Um, it's not next year anymore. We're here already. <laughs> um, but the 10 or 12 tournaments I'm going to play in, that's that's my main goal for 2022 is to be present on every shot and and have no have no future and have no past. You know, be there every shot. It's impossible to do, as even Jim Furyk said, you know, being committed to every shot is impossible, but we've got to strive to strive to do it. So I have a, a goal for everybody out there. I'm going to share something with y'all. Uh we're living in a world where speed is everything as far as the golf swing is concerned. There's not a person that comes in this academy that at some point doesn't bring up the word speed. Would you agree with that, Chase? Mm -hmm. so, so speed is everything. But let me tell you something. The best players in the world, you can't see the speed. It's there. Trackman will tell you it's there. It's so smooth, you can't really see it. And uh, if you can see speed, it's happening at the wrong time most of the time. Tempo is out of whack. The speed that you see is the correction to try to get a good player, try to get it where he wants it to be. And that usually happens too soon. And so I'm not trying to tell everybody you don't need as much speed as you can get. I'm trying to say you want as much smooth speed as you can possibly get. You, you agree you, with that, Chase? You shouldn't see an abrupt transition or a quick – it doesn't look quick. You know, even no. even Bryson going full Hulk smash trying to hit it a mile isn't isn't overly quick. Like there's not – you know, sometimes a driver, he'll get a little bit he's, – he's a little bit of an outlier. But that was one thing that, that you told me when the first two weeks I spent with you out at Big Easy was, you know, you never – you can never see – people's transition it was always it didn't there wasn't any subtle change it was always uh it always looked like they were under control even though they were swinging fast they weren't overly quick or abrupt well the guy that taught me that early on was jackie burke he told me he said how you need all your speed at the ball or after the ball and if it's coming before that you're trying to correct something that went on he said you're too good a player you know where the club face has got to be so all the good players out there that know where the club face has got to be, if it's out of whack, you know you don't have but this far to yep. get it back right. right. And that's going to cause quickness. That's going to cause uh, the abrupt speed that we all hate, basically. You mentioned, you mentioned goals. Um, I'm going to go back to Pryor one more time. Um, we asked him about goals, and he kind of hinted that goals – setting goals were maybe a little bit overrated because of, and I thought it was interesting because he talked about if let's say I set a goal of winning a, an Adams tour event, a little mini tour event down here in, in the Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma area. And so let's say my goal in 2022 is to win an Adams event. And early on, that that's probably fine. That goal's fine because I'm working towards that goal. But as we get, to the end of the year, if I only have one tournament left and my goal is to, is to win an Adams event, I can either put too much pressure on myself. 
I might not work as hard as I would normally work because I, I don't think it's attainable anymore. I thought that was a really interesting concept, but, it, but, but goals, we talk about goals a lot in here. What, what was your, what was your take on that? Uh, I'm kind of a, I, I had goals all my life and, uh, you know, one of the things that I struggle with and for all the aged people that listen to us, I'm curious if you struggle with this, you know, did I do it right? Or did I do it wrong? Was my way right? Or was my way wrong? And, you know, would I have been better had I not had goals, for instance, uh, or would I short-term goals, uh, didn't, you know, if they didn't exist and it was just long-term goals that I had, uh, you know, I had both. I would set a short-term goal and I'd set a long-term goal. Okay. And, you know, my short-term goals were more uh, generic. Like uh, I want to hit 75% uh, of the greens this week or something like that. Right. Uh, I didn't set a goal. I mean, one time in my life, I set a goal of winning a tournament, which was a PGA when I won. And it was a short-term goal. It was set the week after I got dusted off at Anheuser-Busch and I was going to win it come hell or high water. And I did. Yep. I don't know if it was because I set that goal or if it was just, I was playing that good and, and I did. Uh, but don't you think too, we, we talked about this in a couple podcasts ago, but don't you think if you wouldn't have, if you would have won Anheuser-Busch, you probably wouldn't have won the PGA. Probably. Probably you, you were you so know, you were so determined to to change the narrative. Yes, definitely think that was the case. Yeah. You know, I think it was a blessing in disguise. The the you know sometimes our biggest faults may end up be becoming the reason or the catalyst for the change that creates our biggest moment. Yeah, which in that case might have been. Yeah, that goes into like McCabe's podcast where he talked about saving and he said, "Don't waste a failure." Right. And that was a great example of you not wasting a, a, a struggle. Um, and, and again, I, I keep saying change the narrative because that's you, you were worried that you were going to be labeled a choker and, you know, you, you needed to put your foot down and, and regroup, reset and, and prove to yourself that you, you weren't that prove to the world that you weren't, you weren't that. One of the things that I remember, remember with, with prior talking about outcome focus versus process focused. And to me, I think it'd be interesting if we could go back at different points in the rounds, you know, at the, at the, when you won the PGA going into the event, you were going to win, but once you teed off, you know, I think you would agree with this. Your, your goal wasn't to win on each shot. Your goal was to stick to the process and, and execute the shots. And then you add it up at the end and you won. I actually think the only time I ever thought about winning after I teed off in the first round was one I'd bogeyed three holes in a row and I had I was down to a one shot lead with four holes to go and it's like it's slipping away. Yep. So I had to have a conversation with myself right there. But I, after that I don't think I had any thoughts about winning the golf tournament after that. Yep. Uh all about execution at that point. All about staying in the present. You know, we talk about that all the time. You know, I love the statement where you said stay where your feet are. You know, you can't hit the next shot because your feet are not up there. They're right here. And, you know, so much of the time golfers are, their mind is everywhere that their body isn't. 
That's another way of putting, yes. uh, you know, and that's what we're capable of that. God gave us the ability for our brain to go somewhere else that our body isn't. Yep. And that's nope. a really bad thing for a golfer. In, in this day and age with phones, I mean, I, I had a conversation with a kid two days ago. He's a good player, good young player. He's, he's a little new to the game, but has a ton of talent. And he was he shot some high scores recently. And I said, I asked him, I, 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 said, I said his name and I said, how many, you shot 85 the last round you played. How many, so, so you hit it 85 times. So that means you made, let's say 35 or 40 full swings, whatever, whatever it is, you know, 18 tee shots and then approach shots, you hit 35 shots, 40 shots. I said, how many shots were you completely committed to? How many shots were you completely not, not committed at all? And he said, probably half. I said, so, okay, so you had 20 shots today that you weren't committed to at all? He said, yeah. I said, so why are you grinding on your golf swing? Why is the golf swing the problem? And he kind of looked at me funny and I said, look, if you don't have a, a precise game plan and if you're not committed to that game plan on every shot, you've got no chance. He's got a lot of speed. So if he's, if he's a little bit tentative, if he's not, not completely locked in, that golf ball could go anywhere. And his golf swing is good. And that's what I keep telling him. And he was like, well, how can I hit shots this bad? And I said, because you're not present. What do you mean? I was like, could you sit here and, and, and be still, sit in a chair and be still for five minutes and not have any, um, any desire to pick up your phone and basically control your mind for five straight minutes? And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he's like, no chance. I was like, you probably couldn't do it for 30 seconds. I said, so how are you going to get on the golf course when you're uncomfortable? You're already doubting your golf swing. You can't commit to it. You can't be present. You can't lock in. And I was like, until you do that, you cannot blame your golf swing. Again, that I keep raising my hand because that was my biggest issue. I failed at this miserably. And this is where I think I can help some of these kids because his golf swing, it's pretty, it's pretty technically sound. Like there's a lot of people that would die for the, for that swing, but he's, he's a good kid, but he's a little, little all over the place. Like he's, he's, you know, you would say he's got ADD, whatever you want to call it, but he just isn't calm enough. He just isn't present enough. He's not committed enough. And until he gets that way, he cannot be because he, he thinks after every bad shot, it's a, it's a swing issue. Like, uh, -uh. if you didn't commit to it, if, if you felt right at impact, don't hit it left, don't hit it right. You thought about a girl, you thought about a song, you thought about a house, whatever you thought about, that's not committed. It's just not. And I needed, I needed a house something to tell me that when I was 16, because I, I had no idea the importance of it. Well, Chase, it's even harder in today's world because when I was growing up, I didn't have phones and computers and everything else. I, we didn't have all the TV shows. We didn't have all the judgment. I mean, people may have been judging us that hard, but there wasn't enough avenues that they could actually tell you how they judged you. They couldn't, they couldn't get to you. Now they, they can... couldn't get to you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the simplicity of that, just you don't have to deal with the noise of all of that. You know, I feel for the kids today because everybody's casting judgment on, on everything they do. And to be honest with you, and then they feel like they're a victim because they're trying to please everybody. Well, they never really had a plan. They didn't have anything in the front end that, okay, this is all I care about. This is what I'm trying to do. These are the people that I about trying to please i don't care about the rest of them you know that's not you know steve jobs made the statement not uh, quite a while ago he said you know if you're going to be a leader 
you automatically must understand that you're not going to make everybody happy. If your goal is to make everybody happy, sell ice cream because ice cream makes everybody happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Golf's kind of the same way. You can't hit every shot perfect, but you've got to keep the same kind of attitude going to the next shot, whether you missed it or you didn't miss it. Yeah. And, you know, I would encourage everybody to listen hard there, try to implement that. You know, you're going to hit some bad shots. Doesn't mean disaster is looming because you hit one bad shot. And please don't try to fit, try to fix everyone, try to change your intention on every shot. Like, it, yeah. you know, I kind of, and I kind of told him this too. I was like, look, I would rather you be fully committed and this is what I tell a lot of the kids. We'll, we'll joke about this, but I'm like, look, if you commit to every shot and you snap hook every tee shot you have, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an instructor problem. You can blame me. And I know you're going to say, you know, they need to take ownership. And I, I do agree. They do. But essentially, I'm trying to get them to commit, commit to their golf swing, commit to their target to a certain degree, to, to enough of a degree that if, if they hook every shot that day, but they commit to every shot, then that was a success. And we can fix their golf swing in the lab when they come in next. But this idea that they're going to be able to change and, and, and adjust and come up with different swing thoughts after each shot because of what the ball's doing. You know, I hooked it. I need to hold on, hold on to it a little bit more. I pushed it so I didn't transfer my weight. Like changing the goalpost after each shot is just a recipe for absolute disaster. So they're not that good yet. No, but even you were, but even even you didn't do that. Later on in life, I did some to some degree, Uh, but not on every shot. Yeah, I had to have a you know, there had to be a series of the same thing happening while I was trying to make a living doing it. So then I would make an adjustment, but that was after years of experience of doing it. And here's the other thing. I knew I couldn't get away with it for long. I've already explained to you, if I have to manipulate the club in order to get the club face where I want, I can't do that on a timely basis each and every time that I do it. So I know if I go down that path of fixing it, whatever it is, I'm going to have to, there's going to be some overhaul that's going to take place. I'm not going to fix it. I may get it in, but I'm not going to fix it. That's exactly right. One of the things that I mentioned McCabe earlier, one of the things that Brett McCabe said when he was talking about yips is he kind of wanted to almost humanize yips. And he said, he said that he want, I thought this was really strong. He said, when, when the yips show up, he wants you to almost just say, Hey, look, George is here. And, and what are we going to do to deal with George? Are, are we going to avoid him? Are we going to run away? Do we, we have a soft little tight little pitch shot, short-sided, we hit a bad iron shot. We got a short-sided pitch shot that's been giving us the heebie-jeebies. What are we going to do? Are we going to run? Are we going to hide? Or are we going to try to, to figure out a way to address it and, and commit to something? And I thought, I thought that was pretty strong. Well, I think Brett McCabe is a really smart guy. Nick Saban thinks he is too. <laughs> He helps the Alabama football team. Uh, you know, probably everybody listening to this has experienced the yips at some time in their life. I know I have. And, you know, most of the time, none of us want to even address it, admit it, or anything else. It's like, that's, let's not talk about that, you know. Mm-hmm. So to humanize it, I, it almost makes it feel like uh, – we can get rid of him 
he, we can make him not show up down the road, you know. Uh, uh, the yips are, they take control of us, you know, and I, I, I prided myself in being able to control my thought process. <laughs> but when the yips showed up, chipping the ball, uh, you know, I, I didn't have control like I wanted. And, you know, it did me a lot of good, you know, when Tiger kind of suffered the yips there for a little bit and chipping and scolded across the green a few times and chili dipped it. It was like, ah, there's the greatest player in the world. He struggled with it. That gave me an out a little bit. <laughs> he's, he's, he's human for sure. Yeah, human. Well, and, and again, we, we tell everybody in here all the time about the yips. It always starts as a physical issue and then it manifests itself into a, to a complete mental issue. And you almost have to, you have to trust the the physical change. You got to change something, but then it, then it's just, it's, it's permission. It's acceptance. There's just so many mental things that you, mental hurdles that you've got to get over. And I, when somebody comes in with a full blown chipping yips, I'm like, look, I would love to tell you this can be fixed and physically it can be fixed in a couple of days, but mentally to get you through it, to get you to be, be free and fully committed to a, to a, to a pitch shot that you've been struggling with for years it's going to take six, seven months. Like it's just going to take some time and you've got to slowly build your, build your way back up. It's like a, you know, kind of morbid, but it's kind of a drug addict. It's going to take, take a drug addict quite a long time to get sober. You can't just do it cold. Most people can't just do it cold Turkey and then never have any issues with it going forward. It's the same thing with the short game. And, you know, even I, I've said I had the chipping ups for a while when they changed the ball and the grooves when I was playing professionally. And even like when you and I are doing doing short game stuff or or doing little golf schools, if I've got eight or nine, ten people watching me, I'll be a little jittery on some of those shots and I'll have to practice and find the ground and get the turf and, and go through it. Now, I've got a system that in place that I can get through it, but it's from trials and tribulations and figuring it out. It's not just. You know, it wasn't just something that, you know, I found overnight. It took a long time to develop it. And now I've, I've got my ways to handle it when I feel, you know, George coming, coming into the house. Well, I think most everybody, when you work on it for three or four months and you think you've got it figured out and you go to the tournament, you get this first shot mm -hmm. that, you know, darn good and well would have given you a fit 90 days ago. There's still doubt in there. Is it going to work? And, right. you know, that first shot pretty important. That's if right. you can control your speed and control the bottom, well, yeah. then you might be past it. Um, you mentioned something that I think we need to, we need to mention. That was, a, that was a big theme of mine in 2021, and that's controlling your speed. Um, again, we want to hit it far, just like you talked about earlier. Speed and distance and all that stuff is so important. But – like you tweeted out, you know, how many clubs do you actually have in your bag? Do you have 14 or do you have, you know, a lot more than that? And I had a guy the other day that hits it a long way and he hits seven iron 195 yards. And I said, can you hit a, a little chippy seven iron that goes 175? And he's like, I'm not very good at that. And this guy's trying to play professionally. And I'm like, well, you need to be good at that. There's no reason for you not to be able to control your speed and hit little pitch, hit, hit little chippy shots into wind and to, to different heights and to different pins and little cuts and little draws. And um, I, I think to me, if, I mean, think about this, if, and, and you'll, you'll laugh at this, but if, if a good player says, I, I can only hit it hard, I can't, I can't hit it soft. It's like, my first question is how do you hit a 60 yard wedge shot? How do you hit an 80 yard wedge shot? And they're like, Oh, well, I just take some off of it. I'm like, why can't you do that with a seven iron? And they kind of look at me like, I never thought about it like that. I'm like, it's the same swing. 
If you can hit, if you're, if you're, you can hit an 80 yard lob wedge or a 60 yard lob wedge, whatever it is, then you should be able to hit three quarter seven irons. And, you know, going at it full is a tool, but going at it three quarter and half and different changing your speeds up is also a tool too. And it, it, it there's, there's no negative in developing those skills, none. So, you know, I'm sitting here listening to that. And all the kids that we see today, they're on max speed all the time when they approach a shot. I never was on max speed unless I had to. Now, there's reasons for that. Yep. We had spinny balls. We had, you know, spinny, spinny clubs, blades, spinny, spinny clubs, clubs, everything. So going at it hard caused a dispersion that I didn't like. I couldn't keep my dispersion where I needed it to be. So I was the opposite of that. I went at things easy unless there was no other shot than to have to go at it hard. So, you know, for me now, I mean, you know this, Chase, from watching me hit balls, it's really hard for me to make myself swing hard. Mm -hmm. I have physical problems because of hip replacement and knee replacement that doesn't really want me to go hard to my left side. But even if I didn't have those things, mentally, that's not what worked for Hal Sutton. Right. You know, what worked for Hal Sutton was uh, going at it smoothly so that my dispersion was where I wanted it to be. Uh, you know, something that comes from that, I, what I just said, I think everybody needs to listen to. Who are you? Who do you want to be on a daily basis as a golfer? You know, are, are you going to move off of that on occasion? Of course you are. The golf course is going to force you to do things that is maybe not you at the time. That's just golf. Yeah. But I think being where your feet are, part of being where your feet are all the time is knowing who you are and committing to be, being that person. Yep. I think that's, I think that's strong. One thing I was thinking about when you were saying that you were forced into going at it hard, the more I think about, it, especially recently, um, the only time I go out a, a really hard iron is to a back pin when I don't want to go long. And so like, what I mean by that is if I'm in between clubs, a lot of times I'll take the last one and try to send it to where max full rip will get just to that pin to where I'm trying to keep it in the middle of the green. Right. But so many of our kids, so many of the players that you saw all the time playing in pro-ams and stuff, they're going to go full send to that front pin that if they nuke it that one out of a hundred shots, they get it there. But all the the other ones, all 99 of the other ones are coming up short in the rough or in the bunker, or they miss hit it and it's 30 yards short. And now they're making bogey or double. Right. And, you know, it's, it goes back to Scott Fawcett stuff and stuff you've been saying all the time. Tour players to front pins come up short more often than not because they, they even don't, don't hit it quite as far, quite as good every time. And so to, to, to see that, the best players, the best ball strikers in the game coming up short more often than not should tell you 5, 10, 15 handicaps at home, you do not hit it as far. You don't carry it as far as you think you do. It's okay to be a little bit long at times versus being short 99% of the time. Well, when I had a front pan over water, if I if I hit it right beside the hole, Miss hit it. most of the time it had to spin back to the hole. Because no. I was going to put it past the hole. Because if I landed it there and there was any wind, and I missed it at all, it's in the water. Yep. And those sort of shots take you out of tournaments. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted a single shot to take me out of a golf tournament. Yep. I could have 
nine holes or an 18 hole round that took me out of a golf tournament, but you don't want a single shot to take you out of the golf tournament. And so that's something for everybody to think about out there. Those avalanche swings or decisions or, you know, that that are going to cause major, major issues. You make triple and then you're thinking about it three holes later and you might have bogeyed the next three holes and and it turned into a monumental mistake versus just a, just a one shot swing and you three putt or something and move on. Yeah. I mean, y'all think I'm, I'm saying y'all, I'm saying all the listeners out there, there are some of y'all that think that you got to hit it close all the time and you don't have to hit it close all the time. You know, there were days, some of my best rounds where I hit it 15 feet all day long. You know, I made some putts, yeah. hit a par five and two occasionally. All of a sudden, I shot 67, and I never hit any really great iron shots. You know, but I didn't hit any that made me uh, score another. You know, we talk about it all the time. The difference between a 15 handicapper and a scratch handicapper is not that many birdies difference. It's all the other stuff. Yep. Which and is that, that – go ahead. Sorry, I didn't I, – that yeah. goes back to the kind of the expectation management stuff that, we, that we've talked about, Lou Stagner, Scott Fawcett talked about. Um, tour average from 100 yards is about 18 feet, you know, and – that's a little bit jaded just because the tucked pins that you guys play at. So you had to err to one side or the other. Um, but then the other thing I would say is, you know, what's Tiger's scoring average? It's the, you know, he's had the best scoring average forever and it's like 70, 69.8 or something. So the, you know, they're, you guys were playing the hardest golf courses, but you're, you know, if you went out and shot 70 every round you played in, you'd have a pretty dang good career, right? That's 16 pars and two birdies. You know, if you you said some of the best ball striking rounds you've ever had, you hit it to 15 feet on every hole. I mean, you, you go play golf out there on the PGA Tour having 15-footers for birdie on every hole, you're going to have a pretty dang good career. You know, it's going to be really hard, really hard to make too many mistakes, right? Um, one of the things I was thinking about, too, with the equipment we have, because we do see that some in here. If 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 you're listening at home and you're like, man, I, I, I tend to go long more often than I do go short, one thing you need to look at is your equipment because – Sometimes the ball and then some of these clubs are kind of hot and they don't spin enough. So if you're getting a lot of knucklers, like balls that just jump and fly and go forever, then you might have an equipment issue. I don't know why I just thought about that, but just something to kind of keep in mind. If you're airmailing greens a lot, um, you've kind of got these game improvement hot irons with less loft that launch really high and they're going to spin very little compared to like what what Hal and even even myself grew up playing so if you're catching a lot of flyers catching a lot of flyers out of the rough and and you're hitting hitting your irons too far it might be an equipment issue and not necessarily a golf swing issue or even a a decision making issue so something to something to keep in mind um one other thing I wanted to mention because I think some of these episodes have gotten lost as we've grown but some of my favorite episodes that we did were our first, say, five or ten. You know, and I've got some of them written down. The The second episode we did was was about the 2000 Players Championship, how were you beat Tiger. And there's a lot of cool stories. There's a lot. There's a really cool story leading up to that event. Um, some insight on on Tiger and some of the exchanges that you guys had, I thought was I thought was awesome. Um, some stuff about the Ryder Cup. We had parent-child relationships. We had practicing effectively. Again, those were episodes one through 10 were some of, I think, some of our best. And for some of you guys that are just now catching on and listening to some of our most recent episodes, I'd highly suggest you guys go back and listen to those first five or six because there was, it was just Hal and I talking and there was a lot of really, really good stuff in those episodes. 
something I'd like to share with everybody that I think you need to be thinking about. What if I could give you a gift and I could give you the gift of knowing where the ball was going to come down and it was a short yardage? Let's just say it was 90% of how far you hit it right now. But your gift was you knew exactly where it was going to come down. Could you live with that gift? You know, or would you need that extra 10% so that you can say you out hit your buddy? You know, I'll share this with y'all. This is a game of how low you can go, not how far you can hit it. How far you can hit it has something to do with how low you can go, but it's not everything. And the game has kind of started moving in the direction of it's a lot more meaningful on how far you can go. I'll tell you this. There are some guys that come in here, Chase has seen them too, that they can land the ball within three or four yards of the same spot. Chase can say, okay, hit it 163 yards, and they can hit it 163 yards. Don't have to move, don't have to change clubs or anything else. That's the guy right there that I really, really think he's a player. And I might challenge everybody to give that some thought going forward in 2022. Yeah. So if you, if you're five iron, if you think your five iron carries 200 yards, would you, would you take 20, 20 yards off, 20 yards off of it to carry it 180 every time? And I, honestly, I think there's some people that would say, say no, I'm good with, I'm good with five iron. Going That's why I brought it up because I'm sure there are people that would say that. But I can tell you right now, knowing what I know about it, I'll take the 180 every time because yeah. I can plan with that. And it's it's interesting when you have good players come in here, it's the sound of of them making contact every time. And the, the, those guys that can control their distances, they just don't – they don't miss hit it. And and I would I was thinking too when you said that, I was like, I wonder how many – if we put people through a distance control test, you know – almost every one of them that could, that can hit the numbers pretty, pretty dang good. They're all scratch golfers are better. Like there's very few, I mean, if I would, I would, I would be hesitant to say that there's anybody that's, that's worse than a five handicap. That's got really good distance control. Like everyone that has, that has bad distance control or, or, or they're not great with their distance control. They're all, they're all bad golfers. Like that's, that's, we talk about low point. We talk about all kinds of things that we like to teach, but yeah, hit it pin high like like Raymond Floyd told you when you first got on tour. Hit it pin high every time, and you're going to be pretty successful at this game. And there's more to hitting it pin high than just a physical thing. It's a mental as well as a physical thing to hit it pin high. So y'all need to think about that. So good little recap of 2021. Um, we're so thankful for all you guys listening in. Um, We've got some some really awesome guests coming up in our next next three or four uh, three or four episodes. Not gonna not gonna tell you who they are, but I'm super excited about them. We've got some big names that we're that we're working on for this year. Um, again, if you guys have any any suggestions um, on who you'd like to see, who you'd like for us to try and reach out to, um, obviously Hal and his buddies, he's he uh, he can get on some of the some of the big names that play this game at a high level. And we're also trying to find the the Brett McCabe's, the Richard Pryors, the Scott Fawcett's, the Lou Stagner's, the golf, inf the Nick Clearwaters, the golf influencers, the instructors, um, anybody that can that can help us help you guys talk golf, get to. Uh, help you guys with improving your golf swings, improving your mental games, improving your scores. That's our goal. That's what we're trying to do. And uh, 
how I, I, I've enjoyed these. Um, I look forward to uh, another 52 episodes or 51 episodes, whatever it is in 2022. And I look forward to talking more golf. I do too, Chase. Uh, we appreciate all y'all and we're, we're doing this for y'all. You know, this is not for us, basically. We want to help everybody become a better player. And uh, the beautiful part of it is we enjoy doing it, even though we're not doing this for us, but we enjoy it. So uh, uh, we look forward to bringing you more. We will see you next time. Be the right club today. Yes!